Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week, and uh, this week we're doing, by request, as it is the first Monday of the month, Haken's The Mountain. Chris, bud, how are you doing? Very good. I just celebrated uh, a birthday on Friday and uh, got to hang out with some friends, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's been good, and um yeah, you know, feels good to be. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Cause no, but I, I can say that we hit a milestone. <laughs> we both hit a milestone uh, next year. It's either a milestone or, or the beginning of the end, depending on how you look at it. But that's a story for another day and another podcast. Have you uh, Have you been listening to anything good uh, over the past week? Uh, no, I've listened to only terrible things. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I uh, honestly, I only got a chance to listen to. Um, other than Haken, obviously, on your recommendation, this um, Stradivarius tribute album called Strato Fortress Anthems of the World and uh, has a lot of really well done covers by um, a lot of bands that I have not heard of, uh, with the exception of Beto Vasquez Infinity, uh, who did a very excellent cover of Black Diamond. But um, I think you would agree with me that the song selection was really strong, and I thought that the uh, I thought the covers were for the most part, incredibly well done. I mean, these tribute albums can sometimes be uh, disappointing or, or uh, unbalanced as far as like some tracks being really good and others not so much. But this is definitely one of the better uh, tribute albums I've heard. What, what did you think? Yeah, you know, I, I liked it. I, I sent it to you before I had a chance to listen to it. But then, obviously, I sent it. I, I took a nice listen to it. And I really enjoyed it. And, and these things are kind of hit or miss, but I'm kind of a sucker for them anyway, uh, because when they hit, they really do a good job. And I thought that this was one of the better ones. Um, I knew about three or four of the artists on there, and then the rest were new to me. And, and I think that a lot of them were collaborations between fans and whatnot, but they did a really good job. And it was something that um, it's kind of, if you're a big Stradivarius fan, it's worth hearing. If you're not a Stradivarius fan, move along, but it was it was definitely uh, an interesting listen, and I, I have a feeling that we'll be seeing more of those types of albums come out if this if this is successful. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of uh, pleasantly surprised to hear versions uh, of Eternity, Hold On to Your Dream, Anthem of the World, and Playing with Fire, just to name a few, because I just felt like those were a little bit more on the obscure side as far as like Stradivarius's greatest hits go, so I thought that was kind of cool that they uh, dug into their catalog a little deeper. And I thought the the cover of Destiny by Stratosphere was really fantastic. Um, yeah, a lot of these, are you, you kind of get a best of. But with this, they kind of went into some of the deeper tracks, which I thought was uh, not only interesting, but appropriate given the, the depth of their catalog. So definitely really cool. And, and the Destiny cover was one of my favorites uh, as well. So it was, it, it was an enjoyable listen for sure. Um, you know, there was... I, I, <laughs> I think at some point we'll probably reassess the year and maybe we'll do it at the end of the June at the midway point. For me, it's been a little bit of a down year, at least compared to last year, just in terms of the quantity and quality of releases that I've really, really enjoyed. But um, there have been another handful of melodic death metal releases that came out, whether it be singles or full albums that I really, really enjoyed. And I think that it's probably a really strong year for that particular subgenre. A couple of bands I just want to mention, uh, a band out of Finland called Horizon Ignited, very much in the Insomnium, Omnium Gatherum um, realm, came out with a couple of new singles in the last couple of weeks. The first was called uh, Towards the Dying Lands. The second was called Reveries, the, the latter of which came out just a couple of days ago. 
phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And, and what they're doing is they're really emphasizing the melodic part of the melodic death metal, which is one of the things I definitely look for. So um, they, they have an album coming out. They haven't exactly announced what it's called or when it will be out, but the two singles were great. And if this is any uh, representation of what the album is, it's going to be very, very good. Uh, another band called Demotional came out with a full album called Scandinavian Aftermath. And it was also just a real banger of a melodic death metal disc. Uh, every single song is very, very good to great. And it's just really catchy stuff that kind of sticks with you. So a little bit of a contrast from the Haken in that, you know, these were, you know, shorter songs, really, really, you know, guitar driven stuff, but it's really, really enjoyable. Um, I know you're not the biggest melodic death metal fan, but I think that these two you'll particularly enjoy just because of the melodies and the, and the, and the fact that the choruses kind of stick with you. I, I will be uh, very happy to check them out. Actually, the the stuff that you've been recommending and posting on uh, so our social media, I've actually um, like just started just blindly buying the song and <laughs> like making a point to listen to it. So it definitely um, is helping to kind of expand my uh, knowledge base as far as some of the newer uh, metal songs that have been coming out so that's yeah and for everyone out there definitely definitely check out our our social media we post a lot of stuff on facebook and twitter and we we don't bombard you with stuff but we try to put at least a post or two each day to just kind of uh wet your whistle or you know get your appetite going for for some of the stuff that we've been listening to or some of the stuff that we've discovered so check that out um definitely worth worth checking out And, and one of the things i'll be posting this week is from an irish prog metal band called the vicious head society they have um one prior disc which was pretty darn good, I have to say, but their new album is fantastic. It's called Extinction Level Event. And um, I don't know how else to describe this other than really, really solid prog metal in the vein of a Haken. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you're a Haken fan, definitely check out the Vicious Head Society. You're definitely going to enjoy what you hear. Um, they're, they're, they're really on the precipice of blowing up, I think. Cool. Yeah, so should be good. And uh, with that, let's get into The Mountain by Haken. This was obviously by request, and we actually received a submission um, that goes kind of along with what we're going to be doing today. You want to get into that for a bit? Yeah. Um, so uh, a, a longtime friend of mine, uh, my, uh, my, I guess, honorary Uncle Knops, um, he had uh, requested this because um, I feel like I, I've known – I've known him uh, for she's uh, twenty years now. Is that right? Yeah, and um, you know when we were in college together, he always like there were certain metal songs that kind of resonated with him. But um, being that I was like more of a power metal guy, like he was getting a lot of Halloween and Snot Artica and Stradivarius and things of that nature. And while he liked it, I think it was the prog side that. I think he really, uh, really gravitated towards, um, you know, starting with Dream Theater. And, you know, when Haken kind of uh, arrived, uh, I think that that really ignited his love for, for prog metal. And, and I think that it kind of took him down um, a path of being a bigger fan. And, and I had asked him to send us a little blurb as we've had with uh, previous requests. And I think he misread it and thought it said blog. Because uh, he sent us like an entire blog post, but um, uh, he said that that you know I started to ramble, so feel free to edit. But he's such a, a, a eloquent um, writer that I feel like 
it'd be a disservice to skip any of what he what he had to say. So I yeah, it really sets the tone for I think what we're going to get into. So why don't you uh, why don't you kind of read into uh, yeah? Read into I, I, it. I'm nervous that we're going to sound like cavemen after I read this, but um, <laughs> we always know, do. Yeah, well, now even more so. Um, so here's uh, what what Knops had to say. He said. Um, the mountain wasn't my first experience of Haken. That honor belongs to a surreal encounter with Celestial Elixir after a few beers on a crowded seven train, but it's the album that cemented my love for the band and the prog metal genre as a whole. It's without a doubt their most human release, so the deeper themes aren't underneath the sci-fi veneer that's found throughout their other work. Don't get me wrong, I love mermaids, time travel, artificial intelligence, and mad scientists as much as the next guy, but the mountain elicits such a visceral reaction in me because of its realism. Boy has dream, boy is misled on his journey, boy falls back to reality just as success is in his reach. There's nothing necessarily innovative about the story being told through the album. It's a theme that's been the subject of storytellers for millennia, as referenced by the inclusion of Sisyphus on the cover and the not-so-subtle nod to Icarus and falling back to Earth. But for me, it's more about the deeper question that's presented. Are you shattered by your fall, blaming everyone else for your failure like the unfortunate bloke in the mountain? Or do you dust yourself off and recognize that ultimately you're the one who controls your destiny? It may be a bit cliche, but this is definitely something I've needed to remind myself of many times in the past, and this record is the perfect way to do it. Story aside, the Alan checks all my musical or all my music boxes. Bombastic riffs, there's that word again. <laughs> Tasty bass licks, passionate soaring vocals. Bitching keys ranging from jazzy classical piano to demented circus organ and a steady grounding presence from the kit. These guys have the chops, but thankfully shy away from the heavy-handed technical wanking that can plague Prague. While I know a lot of Haken fans may disagree, for me, this album is their magnum opus beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's, he's picking up on some of our language, I've noticed. I, um, I think so. And uh, it's fairly tough for me to pick one song off the album, not because I think they're all masterpieces, but because the songs have become so entwined for me. I think Paradoila, Paradoilia does the best job of cramming everything I love about the album into a single song. There's the dreamy intro leading to a sonic awakening, the melding of contrasting music styles, a sick mandolin-esque solo, and gorgeous melodies. The song builds to this absolute frantic pace, and right when it becomes too much to handle, there's a fantastic interlude so everyone can catch their breath. Everything gradually builds again and ultimately leaves you in that same dreamy space you enter the song in. It does such a great job of compressing the experience of listening to a whole album into one song. Despite that fact that it's over 10 minutes, I just can't turn it off if it ever pops If it ever pops on. So that was... Um, Nops's little write-up regarding uh, the album we're going to talk about today. So, uh, so I guess we can come back next week with whatever that album is because it looks like we're done for today. Yeah. Um, kidding aside, I, th- I think that was so uh, poignant and, and, and on point and actually echoes a lot of the sentiments that I have. Um, but I think we, we'd be remiss not to read that into, uh, into it just because um, it, it is a really great summary of this album. And now, I'm assuming that you had obviously heard of the band well before this came out, this being their third release. Is that right? Yes. Um, my my introduction to Haken was um, when I found out that they were playing at the Prague Power USA Festival. Um, and it's kind of hard to believe that this was a band that opened um, the, the Saturday night of the festival that year. Um, do you remember what year that was? Uh, 2011. 2010? It was oh, 2011. Okay. So at the time, um, 
was was their second album Visions out or no, no they, it came out no, a month later right yeah it, it it was it was on the heels of that album coming out and i remember them playing one song off of uh, off of visions but they really just focused on the debut album which had come out one year prior and it's kind of funny because talk about a band bursting onto the scene in 2010 they released their debut and within short order they're you know a headlining band all across the world and 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 have released six full length albums they really um, crammed a lot of music in a short period of time, but at the highest uh, quality uh, level. And, and I think that Prague fans, you know, I, I, I don't think there's many Prague fans out there that don't know who Haken is. And by the same token, I, I don't know many Prague fans that don't, just don't absolutely love this band and what they do. Yes. And uh, so in preparation for Prague Power, I had, you know, grabbed the Aquarius album, the debut, and listened to it. And the song Aquarium just, screamed out to me because it I loved that it had this dichotomy of this like very slow and moody beginning and then later on this like almost as as Knops put it like this circus like kind of um melodies and stuff and and I it was so in the the second half of the song was so infectious it's still to this day one of my favorite Haken songs but um that's kind of that was my introduction to the band and um oh my god when they played at Prague power i was battling the the mother of all hangovers um i was i'm sitting in the crowd like just trying not to to lose my my lunch um but uh but um because if uh, if memory serves I, I believe the night before um we saw uh epica headline and um and uh oh my goodness i i had a a couple a couple too many captain and cokes that night and uh so um I needed to uh, recover in short order because, um, you know, Haken and While Heaven Wept would, would uh, kind of set the table for a, a set that I was looking forward to very much, which was um, seeing Labyrinth uh, for the first time. So I, I needed to, you know, uh, you know, put on my big boy pants and get my shit together. And <laughs> and I, you did. Yeah, but my memory was just watching Haken like put on this unbelievable. You know, I, I forgot if it was a forty-five or a sixty-minute performance, but it was it was really good, and and um, and I probably would have enjoyed it more if I if I didn't you know feel like you know deathly ill. But uh, I, it didn't stop me from going and seeing them, um, which says a lot. Know, yeah, yeah, in and of was, itself. I was really looking forward to it, and, and they definitely delivered in that that first uh, appearance. And the next time they be at Prague power, they'd be headlining. Yeah. They, they, they have ascended up the mountain, no pun intended really, really quickly, but you could tell from the first release that they were like different from a lot of bands. They, the, the production was there. Uh, the songwriting was certainly there and they're also proficient in what they do. Um, but like I said, we, we, today, I guess we'll focus on the mountain. It came out in 2013, September 2nd to be exact. And uh, it's their third full-length release. It was really their third album since 2010, so they were just kind of cranking them out at this point. Um, but I think that of all the, the first three albums, they each one kind of got more and more praise with The Mountain kind of being um, widely regarded as, as, as a magnificent release by, by just about everyone that heard it. Um, although my reaction was a little bit different, admittedly. I was such a big fan of those first two discs that when I, when I heard the mountain for the first time and I, and I did get it when it immediately, when it came out, I didn't love it. I, something here was just not clicking for me and maybe I didn't spend enough time with it. Maybe I only played it a couple of times 
and, and I recognized what they were trying to do. It was obviously a little bit more experimental than some of the other, other uh, discs, uh, a little more raw sounding in certain ways, although the production is phenomenal. It just didn't click for me. And I, there were certain songs I liked and other songs which kind of lost me along the way. So when, when this came up as our album of the week, I was really looking forward to going back to it because I, I never really got into it. And I was just a fan of those first two discs and some of the newer stuff that they've done. This one had lost me, but I, it was a real pleasure to go back and listen to it because I'm finally starting to understand what the, what the rave reviews were about. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I mean, I think for me, it was when it first came out, it was definitely like, I think it was the first time I said to myself, like, oh man, maybe we need to be paying a lot closer attention to this band. Um, but I think that it just is another one of those albums that kind of just got lost in the shuffle and, and for me. And, and then, you know, a million albums later, it's like, God, I don't even know if I ever even went back and listened to this start to finish until this week. Um, so my memory on my initial thoughts of the album is a little bit hazy, but I guess I didn't like absolutely love it or else I probably would have remembered it better. So like you, I, I was uh, very excited to listen to it again. And there were definitely songs that I was more uh, familiar with. And that usually is tied into my love of music videos. And uh, so Cockroach King and Paradoilia, um, which both had um, very different, but very interesting music videos. Uh, Paradoilia was more of like a, almost like a, I'd call it like the Wayne Joyner special where it was just all these awesome graphics and special effects. I don't know that, he had anything to do with it, but it just makes me think of him. And, uh, and cockroach King was fun because they had, um, it was like a shortened version of the song performed by Muppet like characters (laughs) that were actually, um, actually manufactured and controlled by members of the band, which uh, it's a fun video. Um, yeah, I'll tell you that song I hated. I just did that. That was my introduction to the album. I had heard the single before I heard the album and I don't know if it soured me on the disc or what have you. And I remember loving the video, but hating the song, but having to watch it because the video was just so uh, interesting and funny. And it, it reminded me of the Muppets meet Queen. And it was just like this really, it, w- it was pretty trippy. I just wasn't crazy about the song. Uh, I'll get into more detail about the song as I've gone back now over 10 years. I'm know, just, ten- I'm, pic- I'm picturing you sitting up in a balcony, like making jokes about it while, while the video is going on. Yeah. Like, like the uh, two old guys up in the balcony, right? <laughs> that, that was, that was pretty much me when I first heard the song, but at the same time I was mesmerized by what I was seeing. I it was like the Muppet show meets, uh, I don't know, lamb lies down on Broadway. I'm not really even sure it was, <laughs> it was crazy. It was, it was, it was a trip, but really happy that we got to go back to it. And, um, I guess, you know, having, you know, revisionist history, what were your thoughts this time around, you know, kind of going back and either diving in deep for the first time or alternatively just kind of picking up where you left off a number of years ago? Yeah. I mean, same with me. I I don't, I don't remember loving, I don't think I disliked it, but I don't remember either like loving it either. And, uh, as far as the cockroach King goes and, um, Man, the more I listened to it this week, the more I liked it. Um, the the quirkiness of some of the the parts of the song, um, maybe that was maybe a little bit of a turnoff, which now is I think what's endearing about this band. Um, so I yeah, I ended up um, in a more macro sense, uh, really enjoying this this entire album quite a bit. Um, 
I may need a few more minutes just to decide what what my track of the week is, just because I think that the whole album is really, really even as far as like the quality of the songs. While while you know they're not the songs aren't similar, so to speak, but um, I just think quality wise, like every song is very good. So it's kind of hard to to choose. So I'm gonna think about it a little bit longer but um i won't put I mean, you on the spot i'll, I'll just i want to make a couple of notes about like diving deep into some of these songs with, with, with the path it ha- it's like this introduction with this keyboard vocal melody which is kind of one of their fortes they do this a lot it has a little bit of a muse uh musish vocal lines it, the way i would describe it it reminds me of the band muse um which is not terribly surprising because a lot of prog bands seem to follow that formula but then it goes into this epic what i would call the real opening track which is atlas stone um right off the bat if you've never heard this band that your, your your first thought has to be dream theater right i mean like these guys are obviously dream theater disciples but they do it just differently enough that you wouldn't say they're clones yeah well i mean I think you're also talking about a time where for a lot of folks like dream theater was starting to get a little bit long in the tooth maybe. Yeah. And so I feel like maybe Haken picked up where dream theater kind of lost some of their steam, but did it in their own unique way that I personally think is more interesting than, you know, anything dream theater has done in, in the time since Haken's, you know, arrived on the scene. Um, I definitely agree with you that, especially the guitar work, um, I get a lot of, uh, dream theater kind of feeling, but, um, you know, the, the in Atlas Stone, the, the, the way that the piano intro comes in, I, I feel like it's so, um, it's so like not Jordan Rudis. Like, it's just like, kind of like, instead of being complicated for the sake of being complicated, it's actually very, very understated and beautiful, the way that the song kind of comes in. so uh, But just as quirky in, in certain ways. It has that like Jordan Rudis quirk to it, I, I guess I'd say, where sometimes he just goes off on these, I don't want to say tangents, but he just throws these interludes into songs, which are just kind of like it's misplaced in certain ways, obviously showing off his technical ability, which is second to none. But when it's done here, it's not quite as in your face. It's a little more understated, I guess, like you said. And, and, and to that... I think in many ways they're picking up where Dream Theater left off around this time in terms of not only the songwriting, but just in terms of, in many ways, Dream Theater's popularity because they've blown up so much. And like I said, they've done so many successful tours. Um, and it's kind of timely. They just announced a tour with Symphony X that'll be starting next spring. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah, that's quite the uh, quite the pairing. Um, that's exciting. Uh, I hope to make it to somewhere, wherever it may be, to see that, probably New York City. But uh um, I, I find that this album is this really like awesome kind of, uh, it, it's almost like this up and down kind of thing because the longer tracks are, are really, um, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty heavy and, and they, they have a lot of like kind of quirky prog elements to it. Whereas some of the shorter songs and interludes are like really very, um, very like mellow, a little bit dark, um, very, uh, haunting in certain certain ways um you know i'm thinking of like uh you know that short track uh, as death embraces in particular um it's this really great mix of those you know two uh types of, of songs um i mean for me like prog is always going to be 
secondary to power metal in in my world so for me especially when a band like haken which i don't really kind of lump into the melodic prog crowd with bands like you know royal hunt or vanishing point um for me like a, a more technical prog band for me to enjoy as much as i enjoy haken it really speaks volumes to the the talent and, and this album is just all of that on full display i mean i'm having a hard time coming up with words that that nops didn't already pretty much say for us um but i mean I personally ended up enjoying this um, a lot more than I thought I would, and, and I'm really glad that that we listened to it. Yeah, you know it's funny. We I, I, I want to say something about uh, Paradoia, which is obviously Nops's song of a week at the week, and and, and it's going to be mine as well, just because to me this was almost like Dream Theater's home. It was that Middle Eastern feel, but this epic, epic track towards the end of the disc, which really just kind of brought the whole thing together for me and was really representative of what this disc was. It's hard to, you know, putting, putting this stuff into words is, is, is hard. And because the album jumps around so much, we're kind of just hitting like the flavor of the week with some of this stuff. But that song is phenomenal. And every time it would come on, I would just get myself so amped up and excited, which is not the kind of thing I usually do with Prague, even though it's my preferred genre of music. It usually doesn't like kind of get me amped up. That song does, though, and I just, like I said, to me, it reminded me of Home by Dream Theater, and it was just a phenomenal track towards the end of the disc. Yeah, I this was in my top three. Um, I'll say that it definitely was a contender. I'll choose something else just because the two of you are choosing it. Um, but um, this song is awesome, and, and yeah, I definitely got that that you know Middle Eastern home kind of vibe uh, at the beginning of the song. Um, but you know, like another one of our staples is talking about long songs that don't feel that long and this is a, a 10 minute plus song that it, it just breezes by it so just really good stuff um, exactly exactly and, and you I, know it's sorry oh, go, go ahead. ahead no, oh, no uh, it's uh, funny i was going to say the um you look at some of these other tracks i look like falling back uh, back to earth and songs like uh somebody which ends the album to me i hear so much porcupine tree in it as well obviously not as um not quite as, as as slow and somber, but I hear a lot of porcupine tree in there, which is always a good thing for me. Anyone that does that well is 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 doing a good job in my book. But I think of like a song like um, you know, arriving somewhere, but not here by Porcupine Tree, which is this epic build towards the end of the song where it becomes this over the top thing. But it's 
I love that song and, and, and songs like Falling Back to Earth remind me of that as well. It's just, it, it, it harkens back to these other bands. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, but just the way the songs are constructed is something that I, I gravitate towards. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I want to mention, um, that, that would be Falling Back to Earth would be another one of my, my three favorites. Uh, I, I, I couldn't, you know, if, if you had said to me, like, is your, like favorite track from this album going to be one of the super long ones. I probably would have guessed no, but turns out the two longest tracks on the album are two of my favorites. And and the third one for me, which we mentioned earlier was Atlas stone. I just think it's such a fantastic way to get the ball rolling on this album after the, the path intro. Um, just all three songs for me are, are so good. I'm going to pick falling back to earth as my track of the week, which Knops actually guessed. I asked him, um, couple days ago what do you think my track of the week is going to be and he said um falling back to earth was one of his the two choices that he that he said so kudos to knobs for knowing knowing my taste as (laughs) as well as he does after all these years So between the three of us, we've picked out the two longest songs, and now it's 25 minutes of homework for everyone listening. But it, it'll be well enjoyed, I'm sure. They'll, it, it's something that I think everyone will enjoy. Yeah, and for, and and uh, I, we're probably going to post the third longest song, Cockroach King, as well, just because the video, the video is totally worth uh, checking uh, out if you, ha- if you haven't before. 100%. I, I completely agree. In fact, I think maybe we'll post it as a prequel tonight just because, uh, you know, or the, or the night before we'll probably post it because it's it's – it's definitely worth seeing. Um, you know, some other things that kind of stuck out to me on, on, on this disc, a song like Because It's There, which, and a lot of these shorter ballad-esque songs on this disc are, are well-placed because it breaks up these long epic tracks. But that particular song, when you hear a chamber choir in the middle of a prog disc, you know that you're doing something, um, A, experimental, and B, just something that like, a little bit over the top, but it seems to work. And it's not like it doesn't come off as pretentious. Like it does with other prog bands for some reason. They, it just, it seems to work when they do it. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, I, I want to read a, a quick quote, um, which I think really kind of, um, it, I, I think it, it matches my thoughts about this album. And it was, it was written by um, Stephen Reed from sea of tranquility. And, he said that the album is blindingly technical, but doesn't feel like an exercise in how to get the most notes out of any given instrument. And he also said that every instrumentalist comes to the fore, but never too egotistical to take a big step back when the need arises. And and I, I think that that is such a perfect way to describe uh, what's going on here, where a band that clearly has 
um, this unbelievable skill set for each of its each of its um, each of its members it never actually turns into a, you know like Nop said like a something that feels like wankery where it's just um, playing you know technically uh, proficient just for the sake of, of doing it and just to say that you can and I think that that takes you know a lot of um, I'm sure like when you can play an instrument that well that you have to kind of pull yourself back and remember that, you know, you're, you're there for the good of the whole and the good of the band and the good of the song and not for your own, you know, personal glory. Um, so that to me, I, I just felt like that was such a, a great way of, of describing this album um, in a way that I probably wasn't capable of doing on my own. Yeah. It's um, that is very well said. And, and I think that really encapsulates not only this album, but the band in general um, another thing I think worth noting, the production and, and the mix is phenomenal. It sounds great when you listen with headphones. It sounds great when you listen with speakers. They just have such a great sound. And I think that's in part due to um, Jens Bogren, who is a Swedish record producer and you know recording engineer who has been on countless albums that I love. Uh, the, the, he's, he's a young guy. He's only 41 years old. But since about 2003, he's been cranking out album after album for about 20 years. And, and some of my favorite mixes of all time, I, I think of like Wilderun's Veil of Imagination. I think of some of the enslaved materials the last couple of years. Uh, leprous, uh, a lot of leprous material. Um, soil work albums, Opeth albums. I mean, the guy has done so many... Uh, great albums another one pelagial by the ocean which is another album i love i mean it's just one after the other and this is just another in a long line of fantastic fantastic sonically uh produced albums that that he's been a part of and and and, and haken was smart to choose someone like him because he's great with the keyboard stuff and he, the way he's able to mix some of that stuff into the to the mix where it doesn't get lost even when the guitars are shredding or um you know, it's just it's just extremely well done, and it's kind of atmospheric in certain ways. And obviously, when it's doing its leads, you know, it, 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 it's it's very up there in the mix. But I, I happen to enjoy that a lot. I, I that's very well said. Um, I wanted to mention um, Haken as a uh, a live act. Um, so I was like, <laughs> of all the things. How was I going to tie, or like, how could I tie in our episode from last week regarding Dragon Force with our episode this week with Haken? Two bands that maybe the only thing they have in common is that they're from England. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that they have anything else in common. So if you can tie this together, kudos to you. Well, give it your best so, shot. Yeah. So it brings me back to uh, April of 2015, where um, I believe that Haken was. Um, they were touring the, the, the Restoration EP, which came out a year after The Mountain, but before uh, Affinity was released. And so the majority of tracks they played live were actually from The Mountain. And um, I had the the pleasure of getting to see them at Webster Hall in New York City. Um, but the night before, I actually got to see Dragon Force play in the Marlin Room at Webster Hall, opening for Camelot. Um, so I got to go into New York City two nights in a row to see uh, three bands that are nothing alike: <laughs> Dragon Force, Camelot, and Haken. Um, the the Haken show 
worth mentioning because uh, special appearances by both Jordan Rudis and Mike Portnoy. So, you know, if you want to keep those those Dream Theater similarities going, um, the, uh, they had Jordan Rudis did a iPad solo on the song Visions and, uh, and Portnoy did a gong solo <laughs> on Crystallize, which, I mean, if you haven't heard a gong solo, you're really you're missing, missing out. out. Especially with Mike Portnoy, who's like the, the, you know, the king of prog metal percussion. Um, I believe, uh, I do believe you were at that show as well. Um, I, I was. Uh, and, I was. And, and, and our, our requester, Nops, uh, he was with me and, and we, um, I just remember really, really enjoying the show. And this was before I, I really knew how much I would end up liking Haken, but I thought that, um, I thought this was such a, such a great show and, and a packed, Webster Hall, which um, I think at the time I was kind of surprised. I don't think I, it had dawned on me how big this band was becoming. Um, and I guess that that's uh, no, through no fault of this uh, the Mountain album that we've been discussing. Um, I think that really kind of pushed them, um, kind of moved their 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 eventual stardom uh, uh, for you know faster than than uh, than you would have expected. Yeah, I, I agree. Those, those shows were great. I, every time they're in town, I do try to catch uh, their live show because I enjoy it. And, and I can't say that about all prog bands. Sometimes it's better on disc than they are live, but these guys are just magical. I, I think to um, that tour that Mike Portnoy did where he was basically doing the 12-step suite and a bunch of other Dream Theater material, and it was basically Haken um, as his backing band with 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 Portnoy, obviously, uh, on drums. And, and I just remember seeing that show – and, and I, I lost it. I, I was, you know, I, I love some of that old Dream Theater material, and and Haken pulled it off flawlessly. I was, I was so impressed by that. Um, and I think it just speaks to, the, to to them as musicians, right? Because they're just so good at what they do. And and I think the future is very bright because, as I said, they've cranked out six six albums and EP, and, and yet it just feels like they are just getting into their stride, right? Like I, I, I think the future is even brighter and I look forward to, to seeing what their next album looks like because the last, you know, the last few were great as well. Um, they came out with uh, Inf- uh, Affinity in 2016, as you had mentioned, Vector in 2018 and Virus, which was kind of a companion piece to Vector in 2020. So, it, you know, based on their, their track record, I would think that we're going to see something from them in the next year or two. Yeah. Um, uh, they they uh, did, as I mentioned before, they did, they were invited to um, return back to to Prague Power USA as headliners um, after you know just uh, what three three or, or four years earlier as an opener, right? So um, not a lot of bands can say that um, that they that they started at Prague Power as a as an opener and and then the next time they were there they were a headliner. Just goes to show you again that the astronomical rise that the band made in such a short time. Um, and at the end of the song, um, or the end of the set, I should say, um, Mike Portnoy came out and, and had, did another uh, gong solo, um, which was only one note, but it was uh, it was a so loud less. Yeah, it was a but it was a loud note because it was almost as if Mike Portnoy had come out to to put his stamp of approval on this band, which you know, coming from arguably the biggest progressive metal band ever, Dream Theater which I believe Mike Portnoy had already left at that time. Um, I thought it was a really, you know, ringing endorsement of this band and uh, they would end up coming back, as you said, the following year, um, both as uh, Mike Portnoy's band, 
for his 12 step suite and some of the, like you said, some of the other uh, dream theater material that Portnoy had a hand in writing, but um, they also got to do another headline show um, the night before, I believe it was. And they played uh, the entire visions album in its entirety. And uh, so that was very cool. And then they, they would finish up with the architect. Um, So, you know, Three really um, like awesome prog power performances, plus the 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 you know the Mike Portnoy's uh, Shattered Fortress set. Um, so I mean they, they've become a favorite at the uh, at the festival, and um, yeah, I mean as far as prog bands go, they're they're probably at the very top of my list as far as um, as far as current bands go, modern prog, and as far as like the more technical side of prog metal and, and not as melodic as the bands that, I, you know, mentioned earlier that I'm a fan of. Um, I mean, for me, this is about as good as it gets for this type of, of prog metal to, to make a believer out of me who um, it's not an easy thing to do. Far I, cry from dragon force. Yeah. Well, no doubt. And uh, they, they managed to, to do it, especially with this album. And, and also um, I'm also a big fan of the affinity album. I think that's the album that made me, until like a Haken fan was when that album came out and it, it took a little bit of a, of a turn, which is another great thing about the band is that their albums do not sound like one another. Like each album seems to have its own theme where, um, you know, like affinity, even from the artwork on down has a much more kind of 80s style feel to it. Um, I mean, I remember thinking to myself like this, could have been on the Rocky four soundtrack while Rocky was running up a mountain in Russia. So um, <laughs> the, these two albums are, are especially my like, favorite of the, of all the Haken albums. And, and then, you know, Aquarius and visions just uh, more so on, I guess more of a nostalgic kind of way because they're the older albums, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad Knops chose this cause I'm not sure it would have come up for me this soon. Um, but you know, especially after talking about dragon force, this is uh, definitely a nice kind of uh, change from that. And it just goes to show you that the world of metal has a lot of very different types of, of bands and and genres and subgenres. So, uh, you know, if you're somebody like me who enjoys both bands like Aiken and dragon force, then you probably have a very, uh, Varied palette. Varied palette, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's a, a perfect segue into just something I want to read before we uh, before we wrap it up and I have you rate the album. Um, this is something from the band's website, but I think it, I think it really puts a bow on it nicely. Uh, quote, to us, the mountain is symbolic of our journey as a band, but also reflects the wider trials and tribulations of life. Lyrically, we've done a lot of soul searching, which has given the album an emotional depth that we're sure listeners will really relate to whatever personal mountain they are climbing. Musically, the new songs feel rawer and more emotional than anything we've created in the past. All the essential elements of our sounds are still there, but they have been delivered in a more gritty and focused style. We've really pushed ourselves in all areas and truly believe that this album is a step up from any of our previous work. And uh, I, I think it's fitting just because, as I said earlier, it was not my favorite album when I first heard it. But I am now a, a big fan of this album. And I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to a lot of the other material that's, that I just never listened to as much um, just because I, I, I enjoyed this so much. And I thought it was a great choice by Knops. But with that scale of one to ten, what are you giving this as, uh, as a power metal guy? Uh, it's, a, it's an 8.75 for me, which I, I think is 
might be the ceiling for <laughs> for like a technical prog band, band for me. So um, that's good. That's that's those, those are big words. It's it's an eight. It's an eight point five for me, but trending up because if you would have asked me before I listened to it this week what it was, I probably would have said a seven, namely a good album, but not that remarkable. But it's it's now an eight point five and trending trending up, and and it's definitely not the last time I'll be listening to it because uh, I, I I missed the boat this first time around. There's no question about it. Yeah, and, and it definitely is making me want to um, revisit the albums that uh, followed Affinity. Um, uh, I thought um, I'm trying to remember if I what I thought particularly about the two albums after. I remember very much enjoying the Restoration EP. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know that I listened to um, Vector and Virus uh, nearly as much as I probably should have. So um, probably will make a point to revisit those. Um, but yeah, uh, very very enjoyable. Um, it's always very rewarding to pick up something that I bought, you know, seven years ago, and realizing like, hey, my nine ninety nine. It went a lot further than I thought it did. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to you because I believe it is your choice for an album next week. It's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, what am I spending my week listening to? Well, I'm going to do something a little bit uh, a little bit different. I'm going to give you a choice between mm. um, two albums from the same band. And uh, I'm not sure if you may have picked up on it based on a conversation that we had this week, but... Uh, it dawned on me that we have not talked about Rhapsody or Rhapsody of Fire or Luca Turilli's Rhapsody or any of the variants of Rhapsody. That <laughs> so um, I want to go back to um, early days. Um, so I want you to choose between uh, their debut album, Legendary Tales, or their follow-up album, Symphony of Enchanted Lands, because I kind of reached an, like an impasse in my mind over which one I wanted to choose because I'm a big fan of, of both for different reasons. So I'm going to uh, put the onus on you to decide which one we're going to talk about. Well, I'll tell you this. Just at first glance, I, I know both of these albums very, very well because this was a kind of my power metal heyday and, I, and I've always been a big Rhapsody fan. We're going to go back to the start because I think that there's something special about Legendary Tales, although I probably uh, prefer... Um, the follow-up more just in terms of top to bottom but uh, it's been a while since i've listened to legendary tales and uh i know that we're gonna have an opportunity to see them next uh, next june about a year from now let's go back to the debut and i'm sure we'll touch upon the follow-up as well but let's focus on the on the debut all right awesome um i kind of was thinking that you were gonna go with the other one so um i i mean legendary tales is my first rhapsody album but i think symphony of enchanted lands might be uh, if I may say, their magnum opus. <laughs> so, um, and and I'm also a huge fan of um, Dawn of Victory, which is their third album. And um, so, yeah, uh, I definitely have a lot to say about any of those three albums, and I'm sure we'll talk about the other two at some point. But um, yeah, I think that's a good choice to to discuss the uh, the debut and and kind of talk about the the legacy of the band and and some of the changes and the splits and. And where they are now, and, and it's kind of timely because they just released a uh, kind of a short EP um, last week with a, a new song and some uh, some re-recordings and some uh, a couple of live tracks and a couple of songs done in, in different languages. So um, yeah, Rhapsody of Fire, um, 
you know, in, in spite of, of Luca and Fabio kind of going their own way with Luca Torelli's Rhapsody, um, you know, Rhapsody of Fire is still kicking with uh, Alex Starpoli um, on keys. Uh, he's, I think he's the only remaining member of the original band, and we'll get into, you know, the the history and all that next next time. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, we have two Rhapsodies now, so, you know, double your pleasure, double your fun. <laughs> Well, well said. I, I look forward to this and uh, sharing some stories about uh, the first time I saw them live, which is um, something I will never, ever, ever forget. It was uh, definitely an experience. Uh, so with that, if, uh, if you like what you heard today, obviously leave us a positive review. It helps other people find the show. Uh, at some point, I think I'm going to put up a uh, posting just to see uh, what kind of albums you want us to cover going forward. We've had a lot of new listeners uh, over the last bunch of weeks, and we want to hear, uh, hear from you guys and really get you guys uh, you know, involved in, and, and, and it really is your show. We just do it for you. So, um, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, give us a shout and we'll be back next week with some, uh, Rhapsody going back about 20, uh, almost 25 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. All right, man. Have a good week and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.